everybody, and welcome to another episode of the SeaWorks Podcast. This is Gabe Bettis. You can visit us at the website contractorworks.com, and you'll be able to find the podcast on Anchor and any of the supporting platforms. Today's guest is Andrew Mewburn, and uh, he is a SAS enthusiast to the fullest. He's what you would call a cross-collaborator in the cloud and SaaS throughout with experience in engineering, product, support, and more recently, sales. This gentleman has helped outreach go from a dollar to $90 million in revenue in four short years. Hopefully, you enjoy the conversation, getting a little bit more information about Andrew. Here we go. Hey, Andrew, how's it going today, man? Hey, going well. Thank you, Gabe. How's it going? Hey, man, uh, a couple things. First, uh, thanks for accepting the invite. Uh, we have interacted a little bit uh, via the LinkedIn. And um, as, as much as people make fun of LinkedIn and maybe talk a little mess on it, um, it is an effective tool for networking. And that's part of the reason why I reached out to Andrew. So thank you for that. And then secondly, um, if you would, man, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your, your journey, I mean, literally, I mean, right now where you're at, where you live, what's been going on, especially during these Corona times. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so where to start, right? <laughs> um, I, get, I usually like to hear about, you know, people's backstories, not where they went to college and, um, you know, about their current job and where they, you know, went to school and all that stuff. Um, so I'll, I'll start a little bit sooner than that, and then I'll kind of fast forward over the to the, um, to now where I'm at here at Outreach. But um, yeah, I mean, I grew up, uh, you know, down in Southern California. Um, I grew up like in a, a Latino family. Um, shout out to all the Latinos on LinkedIn. I know you mentioned that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I grew up there and, you, you know, I grew up with a single mom down in um, Southern California. Um, you know, I, when growing up with her, um, you know, she was building a business herself. Um, in that sense, I've always been around hustlers, you know, people that, um, doing whatever they can to make it. And, um, that's, you know, where I would say I got my mindset in just life in general, um, is growing up in that way. And, um, and still to this day, you know, I'm trying to be, you know, kind of like my mom in a sense of, always trying to do what I can to make it to, you know, be as successful as I can. Um, that's great. Now that's really just my childhood. Fast forward there, went to college up in Seattle. Um, after college in Seattle, I actually moved down to Chile for a little bit down in South America. A friend and I got a grant from the Chilean government to start um, a business. Um, and I had studied electrical engineering. And uh, after you know, finishing our degree, Chile basically said, hey, do you want to come down here? And, and you, you did an awesome project in college, you know, and basically worked on a crazy cool piece of technology. You want to do that down here? So we said, yeah, we moved to Chile for a year. Um, yeah. And yeah, it was awesome. Um, learned a lot, you know, started a business down there. It was had to do with solar. 
um, after about a year, we, we came back to the United States. And um, what's interesting is when we got back to the United States, I, I wanted to find a cool startup. You know, in college, we were trying to build apps. We were trying to hustle. We were trying to make things happen. And so I've always had that kind of startup mentality and wanted to learn on, on how to scale a small business from nothing to, to something great. So, um, yeah, I, I saw this startup called Outreach. And um, I, it really just resonated with me. You know, I had been down in Chile, had been doing engineering work and trying to hustle and sell, <laughs> um, you know, sell the product that we were basically building. Um, and I was doing sales, you know, trying to sell my own product. And I just hated how inefficient it was. I just despised it. I was like, I can't believe I have to copy and paste templates. I can't <laughs> believe I have to do all this manual work to like sell anything. It's 2000 at that time. It was 2014 or something. Let me ask a quick question. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Were you selling primarily to Chilean businesses or South American businesses or beyond? Yeah, in Chile, actually. Okay. Down in okay. Chile. And what, yeah. how did they do business there? Or what did you, what was the differences that you saw, if I may ask? Oh, man. Um, very, very um, different. And it, it's not just it, selling in Latin America is not just like, one bucket east side in america has that american country has their own um way of doing things right yeah. i grew up in a, in a mexican family so um selling you know to in a mexican culture is way different than selling chilean culture the two <laughs> cultures are very different um but so we'll talk about like selling chilean okay. culture very much um you know relationship based like yeah. things move very slow timing is very different like in <laughs> chile people like to take it's part of the culture which is awesome to take the entire month of december off oh my god <laughs> right wow. like no one That's like crazy. everything shuts down <laughs> um it's crazy so like stuff like that where it's just very different with lots of relationship based lots of who you know you know yeah. cold emailing is not like a you know it's less likely to cold email anyone and get you know and get a meeting with someone it's more oh, like you have to go okay. through connections and who you know and start with one person and you know it takes time um so very different experience but honestly it made it for me i i loved it it was a challenge um but going back to the selling thing yeah it was you know trying to sell was just crazy hard down there um, not only was a new culture but i just saw how inefficient the sales process was so when i got back to the us i saw a product called outreach um so it was a small team and i was like this thing is gonna blow up absolutely blow up like i had experienced that pain myself and this is kind of going to be a common theme here of like any you know little side hustle that we talk about or a company oh, that yeah. I'll, probably, I'll probably ever work for is it'll be a product that i believe in um and, and that's really where outreach came from it was a product i believed in um and i knew it was going to blow up because of, i had just experienced that pain i hear you yeah you still with me yeah yeah still with you okay. still with you yeah yeah so um understood and so does that mean that you did you seek out outreach or did they find you and what is it that attracted you there? And then um, there, the things that you grew up to despise was it like, wait a minute, this is exactly what I'm looking for. Or how did it work? How did that? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I had actually applied to outreach initially and they, they told me, no, uh, I got uh, an email saying, you know, whatever you get when you get denied a job. And um, they were like, Hey, sorry, we're going to pass. Um, 
And so I, at the time, again, I believed in the product and I was like, no, you know, I'm not going to take no for an answer. Um, well, so I hit up, you know, one of the VPs that was working there. Um, Santiago was his name. He was the VP of customer success at the time, Michael Santiago. Mm -hmm. And he was like, Hey, you know what? I did like you. And like, I think you would be a good fit here. Um, and so like, let's get you back in touch with, with someone else here, the tiring. Um, and so he actually put me in touch with someone else. And then, um, a week later I had the job. So Dude, that's ballsy and I love it. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the way you, that's what you did. You cut through, I mean, you know, I don't know if bullshit is the right reason because I was talking to a guy who rails against recruiting in uh, today's corporate world. And, but clearly you did the end around and um, you got to respect that. So please continue. Yeah. Um, really it was, you know, I, again, I just be believed in it. Um, and it was just as simple as that. I just really wanted to, you know, work at the company. And I tell people that today, like, you know, it's like sales, right? Like if you get a, your first no, you know, if you, if you're SDR, AE or whatever, like, does it actually mean no? Right. Or is there something underneath that you just need to clear up? Right. right. Like maybe it's not just like, you think about like when someone's like, Oh, it's too expensive. Well, you know, that's just the smoke screen for something else. Right. <laughs> so them telling me no is not like, Hey, you're not a fit here. There was some type of concern. And I figured that, right? And I think mm -hmm. that goes with any any, you know, place that you apply for is understanding like what the concerns may be. Um, and we're gonna go down a rabbit hole here on like interviews and interviewing, but like making sure you know you clear those concerns up while you're you know talking to the hire manager or in an interview loop on site, whatever it may be, like or if you know that something's gonna be a concern before you even talk to someone, bring it up first thing and say, hey, you know what? Like, I know like this says you need five years of experience in this particular field. I don't have that. I just want to put that on the table right now. Right. But here's how I would make up for that. Or here, here's how, you know, I would, um, why that doesn't matter in my opinion. Right? Yeah, I think that, I think that uh, being forward about that and it basically it's a, so I look at it in two ways. It's like kind of like a trial close and then getting rid of or identifying those super quick. Is that sort of the thought process behind it? Or do you have some other uh, perspective on it? Um, so I do have a different perspective on it. <laughs> um, after okay. reading, uh, I so I, I did change my mindset on that recently. Um, and what helped me do that was actually Todd, Todd Capone wrote a book called The Transparency Sale. Um, there's he has a few podcasts on the Sales Engagement Podcast. I just recorded one with him um, and that should be coming out soon. But in his book, he really talks about just being transparent, not only in the sales process, but in, in just in life and, um, and why it's important. And I won't go into the details. Y'all should go listen to the podcast because he's way more, uh, he, he will say it way better than me. But, um, you know, it just got, at a high level, it brings people's guard down, you know, and it just is, it gets it out there because if you don't bring it up, people are thinking it the whole time and just accepting it you know, just makes you more human, makes you more authentic in a way. Um, and actually makes you look smart too, right? Like, you know what people are thinking, you know what they're understanding and you know what their concerns are going to be. So, um, you know, lately I've just, after I read that book for me, it was, I kind of changed my perspective and like, Hey, not only in interviewing here, but just like in sales in general, right? Like how do you be more transparent? People ask for pricing, 
like why do why do they want to hold pricing back until they do an ROI analysis? Yeah. Like sure. just just tell them they're gonna go Google it if you don't tell them, and you're gonna give them more homework, <laughs> and that's just gonna make for a worse experience, right? Like there's nothing you can't Google today, so like don't play games. Just like tell them what's up, <laughs> you know? Uh, no, I mean. So I, I think that those are good points and there's a lot. And what's, what's even inter more interesting is that I'm sure you don't see it as like, or maybe you do as the maximum, right. That, that you have to do it like this is the absolute because there's definitely uh, spaces where that may not work all the time, or maybe it does, or I don't know. Uh, you're making me like, now you're making me rethink my thought process and my next sales call might look completely different as a result. So I appreciate that. Thank you, Andrew. Um, yeah, thank Todd Capone. He's actually the real, the real legend uh, in that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm being, I'm being, being a little facetious because like now I'm like, holy shit! I thought I, I didn't think I figured it out. I just figured that like, all right, I got my template down. Now I got to change it again. And if you'd like, uh, maybe we can dissect something a little bit later. Um, but that being said, Andrew, so this is good to know. Seems like you've had, uh, I mean, in a, you know, you look like a young guy. Um, you're virile. Uh, you uh, clearly are well traveled. How did you find yourself where you're at now? And do you feel like you're in a good spot? Because like you have a lot of knowledge to offer. And that's really where I, where I was like, oh, this guy, he's got a great attitude uh, in the middle of the Corona virus, or you put it out there real, real, uh, real well. Where did that come from? Is that like growing up with a single mom? Is that um, forcing yourself into a different environment, specifically Chile? How did that come about? Um, great question. You know, uh, I've, I don't know the positivity. I've just kind of always had it. I feel like, um, and maybe it, it came from, you know, growing up with my mom, who knows. And like seeing like, you know, growing up in an area as a kid where I saw a lot of like, you know, for lack of a better term, like I experienced the ghetto in a, in a way, yeah, right. And seeing how, and seeing how bad things could get, um, and I think for me is like, I've always just had that mindset of, Hey, it could always be worse. And I've seen pretty bad stuff. So in that way, um, that's kind of kept me going. Um, and also I think the motivation of like, I never want to be back in yeah. and see the ghetto again like that. Right. Like, or have like have to live like that. So that for me, I think is, is maybe the positivity where that comes from. Um, mm -hmm. I also think like, you know, my, my mom's a pretty positive person, so I get that. And also oh, my, my fiance is here sitting next to me, so I have to give her a shout out as well. She keeps <laughs> me positive. Yeah. Hey, that, well, I mean, clearly it's about what you grew up with, who you surround yourself yeah, with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, and then you're clearly in a beautiful place, if I understand correctly, being in Mexico now, if you don't mind me. Yeah. Saying. Awesome. Uh, tell me, what was the company that, if you could talk about it, that you developed in Chile? And then what do you find yourself using then? that you do it now? Oh yeah. Um, great question. So in Chile, uh, just at a high level, we developed this in, in, um, in college, my senior project, right. Was, uh, basically developing a solar system for, uh, developing communities. So, uh, what that means is we basically created a, a, a solar system for a few thousand people in the middle of Africa. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty awesome. Um, so you know the score, part of the story that I actually didn't skip was, I um, after college I went actually went to Africa for a bit and implemented this solar system, um, 
and you know it was wind turbines it was solar panels it, there was a battery charging station so how it worked is the solar system fed electricity to um, this house we built in the house it had a, a, another system that would charge mm -hmm. the batteries and the or battery packs and then what would happen is those battery packs could they were mobile so you basically families could pick up those battery packs and when they picked up their kids from schools and take those battery packs to their houses and it gave them electricity and a, and a way to charge their phone. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So then when those battery packs were dying, they would just carry them on the way to the school, drop it off right next to the school. And then those battery packs would charge again. Now here was the value behind that is um, one, like all these people were using kerosene. Now kerosene is interesting because it's not healthy for you and when you're in these small mud huts and there's not much airflow that's super bad for you right oh, wow. um so there's that um and then secondly um this electricity they were still actually paying for the battery packs but it was about half the price of the kerosene right and the money that they actually paid for those battery packs went back into the school um, at the community so there's no like profits being made, right? So in that sense, yeah, it was just this cool like little loop of, um, you know, generating electricity, helping the school. It was just the way I go, you know, and then helping people have electricity. So it was a win-win from everyone. Um, so That's fast forward, yeah. So fast forward from there um, on your question, uh, I came back to Seattle right after that. And then that's when the Chilean government was like, hey, do you want to come do this in Chile? right uh, basically in in the north of chile where we have like impoverished communities um and so me and my friend you know we before that we had loved to travel um we were thinking yeah that'd be cool we were always again in the startups and so we went to chile um and you know we got there and we had to pivot real fast because we actually needed to make um, some money um and this was going to be like years and years of work in order to do this type of project in chile with with government stuff and getting approval on paperwork and all this so year we were like you know what um let's just do commercial solar so we just did commercial solar from there um just to make mm. money yeah. So okay, so real quickly, if I were to encapsulate, you you did something very altruistic in uh, and in a third world country like Africa. I have a buddy of mine that was, did uh, Peace Corps down in Benin. I think is how you pronounce it. Yeah, which is yeah. West Africa, if I remember correctly. Uh -huh. And then um, got back, and then you got how, how does the Chilean government reach out to you? Is that like an email or something like that, or do they call you? Just uh, <laughs> great question. <laughs> um, yeah, they just shot me a text. No, okay. oh, um, cool. no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, no, there was this program. Um, there, like, have you heard of Y Combinator? Yeah, of course. Right, of course, of course. There's this program called Startup Chile. Um, okay. They're like the Y Combinator of South America. Is how I describe it. So in Latin America, they're like the go-to startup program, um, and it's okay. The, Chile the Chilean government runs it. Right. Um, so we actually had applied before I even ended college um and it took them a few months to get back to us right um and so at the end of college we applied and because we were you know involved in the startup scene we you know we were actually doing a podcast um on entrepreneurs in south america and oh that's amazing and we were doing that our senior year of college that's how we figured out about startup chile you know being us we we're like hey we can do that too let's apply and let's use the same project that i'm already building i know the technology i know how to implement it i know all that stuff so let's apply um and then we got in so 
yeah, that's that's pretty much it. That's amazing, man. Um, yeah. And and I I, I want to point out, I don't think a lot of people really appreciate this, is that there there are twenty six Spanish speaking countries. And generally 26 different ways of doing things but you can travel between countries pretty easily or at least not as time consuming as you would through the states um and it also sounds like you dealt with uh, bureaucratic selling or at least being able to work through the bureaucracy that might ex- you know that you probably don't have a lot of perspective on especially in chile or maybe you did i don't know um so that's awesome are there any uh, stories that or anecdotes that you can share that really stood out to you about the South American entrepreneurs you referenced? Um, you know, I, I, in terms of something that was stood out, I think, you know, a, a lot of the entrepreneurs down there have a lot of similar qualities that entrepreneurs anywhere. Um, they just want to like solve a problem. They believe in it. They see it. Um, I think the differences are in like your approach to like, you know, making something go live or building something um in the different cultures yeah right like something we had to learn is like how do you you know we we were around a bunch of chilean people um and argentinian folks and colombian folks that were in the program with us so we made friends from you know all latin american countries um and they each had their own way about going about how to sell in the markets particular markets they were in um and so that's something that you know like you, you can't really learn overnight we tried to do that in Chile, right? Um, and it took us a while. And I, quite frankly, I still don't understand it fully. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's understanding the different markets and, and knowing that like the Latin American market is not just one because they all speak the same language. That doesn't mean that like you're selling to the same type of culture, you know? No, of course. So yeah. take that and then take us to what all that helped you or how do you apply all that you learned? Because that's a that's a wealth of knowledge that not a lot of Americans have exposure to. And I would imagine even some South Americans as well to your, either your present gig or some of the side hustle that you were working on or whatever you want to touch on. Yeah. I mean, um, you know how that helped me today. I would just say like for, for one, like just being open-minded, you know, for sure um, to new ideas, new strategies, trying new things, right. A lot of today, like, um, is a lot about testing new ideas, new concepts, new playbooks, whether that's revenue playbooks, marketing playbooks, um, operational playbooks, whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, just really having an open mind and, and wanting to be curious about those different things. Again, because having gone to a new country and having, a, having I had no other option, right? Um, my friend Mondo and I, who was my best friend who started the company down there with me um we had no other again we had no other option we had to be open-minded we had to figure out how to do things in new country so i think that's something that we brought um over and you know i think always having that day one mentality is something that's kind of always stayed in me right you know when i started outreach we had that day one mentality we were small we were like you know less than a million in revenue i believe Um, now we're close to 100 million and and um you know, still every day, it's like, I, you know, I don't stop and there's never a boring day. It's like, okay, you know, I'm done. Like I figured it out. There's always constant learning, constant iteration. Um, and not just in my own gig, but how to help different departments, cross-functional plans, right? How marketing interacts with sales. Um, I think that's one useful thing too, is like, it's taught me, it's taught me to be an A plus generalist in a way. I've always kind of been like that, but it's, taught me that it's okay to be an A plus generous, right? Um, 
Chase Jarvis says that like specialization is for insects, <laughs> which I, I, you know, I love that. I love that quote. Um, but yeah, that's what it's also taught me. And that's not only helped, you know, me in, in my current gig. And like you, you mentioned earlier before we started this podcast, titles are deceiving, right? Um, yes. I have an account executive title, but you know, what I do a lot of is help with like cross-functional plans and understanding like, hey, here's some marketing campaigns we can run. You know, here's how oh, we wow. should uh, manage our paid ad channels to affect how reps are working and stuff like that. So that's kind of, that's the stuff I love and, and, you know, putting my hands in all that stuff and being an A-plus generalist because um, let's face it, I, I think, you know, the best hires in any company um, when I look, when I interview people, I'm in a ton of interviews every week. When I do that, the, the qualities I look for are like, can this person learn something quick? And is it something that's out of their wheelhouse? Like, do they like to do that? Because oh, if wow. you look at a job today, that's a lot what it is. You know, there's no, here's one way to do it, uh, at least in a startup, right? Here's one way to do it. And this is going to make you successful for the next year. Oh yeah. No, no. Like, there, you know, you have to be constantly trying things, right? Um, and so that's why I think, like, the gen, A plus generalist today, like, those are the, the people, you know, whether you're hiring for sales, marketing, engineering, whatever, like, those are the people that are, are very underrated um, and the qualities, I think, that we, we should be looking for today. Oh, Andrew, there's so many things that I think there's so many rabbit holes here. Um, yeah, <laughs> because I, I can. Re I mean, I'm I am shaking my head here along the way because I've always I mean, personally, and this is before. Uh, so when I was growing up at the same time, I didn't find the hustler, if you will, until I moved to Chicago. And I don't know, you might might be able to relate to some of that just just with some of the, the relationships you developed over time. And I also found myself really drawn to just wanting to learn about everything. And so that has really, that's why I, I had purposely targeted the title that, you know, that I have at least on my day job. And I feel like being able to see the angles across the organization and the different departments helps everybody grow. Obviously yourself, you know, myself, I should say. And there's just a lot of things that I'm, um, really it really resonating with me no matter what role you really take on and then to hear that you're doing those other aspects of there are clearly not sales especially like digital marketing and those kinds of things like i i much respect to you man um i don't know where you where you learned it from but clearly it worked right because if you're able to add some valuable feedback to those conversations and they're listening to you then the organization itself that's a that's a cultural thing that i think is very difficult to really build up over time unless of course you've seen otherwise what do you think yeah i mean it it, it is a hard quality and i think um what's helped me build those qualities and what will help anyone build those qualities is like and i think this is kind of where we we, we thought we were going to go at this conversation originally but it's like side hustles yes. right like um something interesting about side hustles is that like I, I read something the other day, I think Scott Lee's posted it or something, but he was like the, um, there's a stat where the average like millionaire has seven sources of income. Like think about that for a second. Right. So seven sources of income. So what does that mean? You think you're going to get rich on your full-time job? Probably not. You want to be a millionaire? Uh, I'm, sh I'm sure everyone does. Right. So if you're just doing your full-time job, the chances of doing that are highly unlikely unless you get lucky, right? You join a startup early, um, 
get lots of shares, whatever it is, right? Like uh, it, it's going to be very unlikely to do that. So right. um, I think like in that sense, that's where side hustles become important. Not just, you know, if you don't care about money, then whatever, like don't start it for that. But like, if you don't care about that, but if you want to learn, you, I've learned more on side hustles than probably my full-time job. Yeah. Right. Every day. And not only that, doing these side hustles helps me learn things to be better at my full-time job. Right. You just talked yep. about like marketing stuff. Like I have a, like I'm internally a marketer. I love marketing. Like I have a passion for it. Um, right. But my title's not a marketer, but I, I absolutely love it and I'm into it. Um, I learned that from doing my side hustles and understanding that like, if you have a physical product out there, um, you know, you need to know how to market it. <laughs> right. Um, yes. So in that sense, I, I studied how to build products and now it's like, okay, well, how do you take those products to market? Right. Um, and so in doing that, you're, you're learning little ticks and tips and tricks, you know, to, to do, even if it's a small little product, right. You're still learning tips and tricks that you could use at a large organization, right? Because you're trying to find the hacks. You're trying to find what the new playbooks are because the playbooks are always changing, right? Again, there's no one playbook that you're going to use, and that's always going to be the playbook, especially in marketing, right? Because once someone starts to use that one playbook, guess what? You have, you know, give it a month or two, a bunch of other people are going to need to use that same playbook. Well, especially in the digital ad realm, right? I mean, the algorithms are changing the way that people consume content, although we can't, I think we can safely assume that the majority of it's coming off of mobile, that Google is sort of the big elephant, doesn't mean you can't discount Bing, you know, all these things, right? But I know what you're saying, right? You can't, you can't, there's no, there might be some metas, but they're definitely, the tactical pieces are not, are not going to stay the same forever yeah exactly exactly so um just on that you know um it it keeps your mind fresh on new things to try right um in that's i'm a big proponent of starting side hustles like at your full-time gig right and i I think a lot of people um you know there is a lot of people that don't you know they have i don't have kids yet so you know that's something don't get them <laughs> that's something that I, you know, I still have extra time a little bit there, but, um, you know, like some people like don't have time for side hustles, like get it. Um, then there's another bucket of people that are like, Hey, I don't have the time to do a side hustle. Um, but then, you know, they're watching Netflix three hours a night. So, you know, to each their own, but here's the thing, like, again, if you want to learn side hustles, right. Even in your full-time job, um, and if your boss doesn't like that, you know, I think one thing I'm very fortunate where I'm at a place where we kind of like outreach started almost as a side hustle to yeah. a product that was, they were trying to sell. Um, but like, you know, if your boss does get in trouble or, or not in trouble, but gets mad or in any way or something like the thing to say is like, look, I'm doing this on my spare time. Um, and you know, rather than watch Netflix, like this is my mode of entertainment not only that, but like, this is going to help me be a better employee. Right. Um, so your motivation yes. could be to make better, you know, just side money. Maybe you want to make it into a real business one day, whatever it is. Here's the thing also on this. And I can talk about this for ages, but is like, if you want to build your own business or your own product, like it's and you release a product, it's very unlikely that the first product you release to the market is going to be that one awesome product. So I almost see it like building blocks. 
you start with little products, easy products, easy things. Like right now, to start an e-commerce business is so simple. To do dropshipping, all that stuff is so simple. You start right. with something small, even a podcast, right? Like here, what you're doing, Gabe, right? So you start with something simple, and you continue to get influence and ideas to actually continue to build additional products. And as you keep build, you know, doing different products, trying to build different side hustles, you accumulate all these skills so that when you do find the right thing, right, it's gonna blow up, right? And I think that's my mentality in that is like, it's never gonna be the first thing. Um, and you know, here, here's the thing is like people will, when you first start a product or a side hustle, people are like, Oh, that's, you know, there'll be haters. Of course, of course. you know, like yeah. that's lame. That's whatever. Like that thing's not going to blow up. You know what the mindset to have is I don't care if this blows up, but you know what I'm doing is I'm building a way. And I'm, I'm thinking long-term about that business that is going to hit one day. That's going to be the big one. Right. And I'm going to have all these little skills I've acquired to do that. Right. The, you know, in in any sick business that you see, the outreach, for example, where I'm at, like they were trying to sell a recruiting tool before outreach and people they were used. They built outreach to sell the recruiting tool as a hack. And people said, I don't want the recruiting tool. I want that actual tool you're using to be so persistent with me. Right. So, like, think about that. But then they took all those learnings and then they built outreach, right? And they wouldn't have built outreach if they hadn't been building that other product. So speaking of product, mm-hmm. one of the, I, uh, I worked at an agency for the most intense 10 months of my life. Um, yeah. it was a, a buddy of mine described it as uh, problem solving on steroids. So I got used to terms like MVPs, iteration, you know, these kind of like mobile builds and, you know, we were talking about uh, uploading podcasts to iTunes, you know, try submitting an app into iTunes. That's not fun either. Um, I don't hear the same terminology from you. Not that I have to, but clearly you learned about it in a different way. So um, I think that's the beauty of growing up. I think maybe in the digital age, obviously seeing some of the um, environment around you and the way that you would affect it or it affected you or lack thereof. So your side hustle and this idea of cross-collaboration, it's sometimes a nebulous term, but I think you have a good handle on it. Can you explain um, a little bit about, a little more about it and then what it can do for people? Yeah, and when you, when you say that, like what side hustles can do for people specifically? No, your side, like your specific side hustle, the revenue playbook, for example. We got into um, it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, so there, there's a couple of things, um, you know, not to plug my stuff too much, but yeah, I think, plug it, you know, re, is, re, yeah, re, revenue surfing, um, that's a, a newsletter I'm dropping, right? And that's coming out um, in a few days. I'm going to have, you know, my first official newsletter post coming out. But what I wanted to do is I wanted to share like playbooks that I'm hearing from all kinds of different customers that are working in a revenue organization in cross-functional playbooks that are working right um i i'm fortunate enough to to hear all these playbooks every day um i'm fortunate enough to be at a company that's grown immensely and like very grateful got lucky you know um, but also had the eye for seeing what was going to happen to it um and there's just all this knowledge that i feel like i've been holding in that i want to release to the world 
um, to help other people, like if they're trying to scale, you know, their business, if, if they want to understand, like, what what is someone in a unicorn company actually doing day to day? And that's what I want to do. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I want to give that to people that actually want to do more than what's expected of them. Right. Um, the doers, right. The people that like don't just want to sit back and, and chill and do what's expected. They want to exceed expectations. Um, and so that's why I created that, you know, um, I'm always writing about this stuff anyways, like to my internal team <laughs> and like sharing these cool things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm like, why not share this with everyone else? Um, help everyone understand, you know, what's going on in an organization like, like outreach or um, what other unicorn companies that I work with all the time are doing. So there's that. Um, and that's just a, uh, like by sharing that stuff, it helps me learn myself, you know, um, yeah. there's one thing. And then, you know, the other side hustles, um, that I have are like, um, I mentioned this earlier, but it's, I've always like either joined companies like outreach because I believe in the product or built a side hustle because I need the product myself. Um, so, you know, one thing that I created was limelight, which is like a, it's basically just a spotlight tool for your screen. Um, it's a Mac app, right? And I was doing demos at one point and I needed to basically highlight certain areas of my screen. And I was like, Hey, I think if I build this, like I, this is something I need. And if I need it, chances are that there's a hundred thousand, 200,000, a million other people that probably need it too. Uh, so built it for myself, but really understood that other people needed it. And now, you know, I've done zero marketing for that. And it's just been word of mouth and it's got like thousands of users. Right. Um, yeah. (laughs) So something like that. And like, that's more of like the, you know, when come, when it comes to building those side hustles, build something that like you have a problem with that you don't have, there's not a great solution for most likely other people are probably looking to solve that problem in some way. So, um, the other one is like, this is a funny one. Um, my fiance and I, every Sunday, what we used to do is, is basically write down stuff that happened in the week and stuff that we were grateful for and try to come up with like crazy questions that we would ask each other and write it all down. <laughs> so we, that we had a, a written basically memory of, of stuff that we've said to each other um, or that we've, you know, done. And we used to do that weekly and we're like, wow, that would just be really great to have a, um, like a journal of this. Right. And I was like, I'm going to create one. So I created one, designed it, you know, came up with the content in it. Um, just for my fiance and I, and we did that together. Um, and then we called it the couples journal and we actually then created a bunch of them, put them on Amazon. And now we bring in, that's great, dude. Yeah. I'm, I'm, let me interrupt you you there, man. I I love it. And I think it's part of it that just shows me how Mexican you are. You're very modest as a lot of us are. And I'm I'm like half joking and, uh, me being Mexican, I was telling so I, I'm going to interject with the story. I'm going to come yeah. back to this. So two things. Um, yesterday, so the, for the first time I've been in you know the corporate world for uh, about 15 years now, give or take. And for the first time in my entire career, uh, after graduating school, doing my undergrad, doing whatever, it's the first time I'm actually going to go uh, into a potential onboarding or deal with nothing but uh, all Latino um, helping class, or uh, I'm part of the of the infrastructure of the team that's going to work with them. The AEs Mexican, my technical counterparts Mexican, obviously myself. And so I was t- I was joking with them yesterday. I go, we should just call ourselves Los Mexicanos, and then somebody threw in um, the uh, the the three amigos, you know, gift or whatever. 
And that was a really funny realization to me. And then to hear you talk about yourself and every each of those guys, right? I was like, are y'all on LinkedIn? Are y'all doing any of these things? And then none of them are. I was like, oh, you guys are too modest, you know, all things considered. You know, you got to put yourself a little, just a little bit more out there. But back to your journal, I, I think that's, I, I'm not joking, man. I think that's beautiful. Um, that clearly makes, that puts you and your, and your fiance on a, like a totally different level of a lot of other couples out there. Like how many couples do you know can't work from together for shit? Or, <laughs> and, and they don't, they might, you know, they might even, it might, you know, like you, it's almost like a vision board, you know? Yeah. Like, I yeah, think that those absolutely. are exercises that a lot of people don't, they take for granted or they would never do it because it might be silly or the guys think it's like not macho enough or whatever. So hopefully it makes sense what I'm saying, man. And I just want, I just want to tip my cap off to you again, because that's, that's great. And uh, we got to make sure to plug all this stuff into the footnotes. So I'm going to count on you to send me that info. Yeah, absolutely, man. So what other, I mean, are there any more that you got? Are you trying to go for seven? I think this is three, right? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's enough, man. Uh, That's enough. At this point, I am tapped out um, (laughs) on on the the time (laughs) for that stuff. But uh, yeah, man, I mean, I think in, you know, Trust me, I always have ideas. Like every single day, I'm like, oh my gosh, this could be a huge <laughs> business idea. Once you get started, you never stop. Um, right. It's a ble- it's a blessing and a curse, right? Like, um, honestly, so it, it's kind of even my fiance sometimes I say, Andrew, like you, like let's keep focusing on what you got, um, you know, because I want to do everything. <laughs> I want to build every product that I see potential in. Um, but you got to awesome. focus, you know, you got to focus and, and do that. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm tapped out for now until, you know, we'll see what happens with those things. But um, yeah, man, thank you. This has been awesome podcast, Gabe. And, you know, this is, I'm glad to talk about this kind of stuff here too with your crowd. All right, everybody, that was Andrew Mewburn. And as you heard, there's a lot going on with Andrew. He's a well-traveled, very thoughtful, clearly has a lot of depth of uh, experience and a lot of the work that he's done both in North America as well as South America. And just to recap, you can find some of the items that he's working on at the following, limelightapp.com. That's limelightapp.com. That's L-I-T-E app, A-P-P dot com, limelightapp.com, as well as thecouplesjourney.com. That's thecouplesjourney.com. And let us not forget something that I've started and um, have recently subscribed to is Revenue Surfing. So that's revenuesurfing.substack.com. That's revenuesurfing.substack.com. Here's what you need to know about the man. He's clearly got the right attitude, even with what's happening today. We should all take note. Thanks again for listening to the SeaWorks podcast. I'm your host, Dave Bettis. Looking forward to next time.